This is the qualified. The qualified. The qualified. The qualified. The qualified with Ryan Huff. What's going on, Qualified Family? Hope you're having an amazing day as always, and welcome back to the Qualified. You are with the ultimate goal is to empower you to chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. And I promise you, from now going forward in 2020, every week we will have a new episode. I apologize for the delay in all this. It has been a an amazing amount of time recently, y'all. Um, we have a lot of content. Um, have have had a lot of incredible guests that I'm ready to share with you guys. I have a lot of solo rounds that I'm ready to share as well uh, coming up. And um, anyways, but I do apologize for those who look forward to the qualified coming out every week. Uh, it has just been a world ride, man. And um, I need, you know, just working on becoming better at time management, working on becoming better at, you know, making sure I get certain things done every single day. Uh, However, uh, we are doing some uh, some really incredible things, y'all. I'm super excited for for this year. Uh, the year of massive growth is uh, is no understatement. Um, we, uh, qualified Apparel has been the main thing that I've been focusing on, and uh, my goodness, guys, we are so to date. So we already passed our goal of thirty thousand meals provided for families in America, which is absolutely outstanding. And again, thank you so much to everyone who's already a part of the Qualified Family and who's done business with us in the past and has helped create and has helped make that difference into reality y'all and to date we're at 34,180 meals provided for families in America and right now there's an order uh, that's actually the biggest one that I've that um, I'm working on securing to date um, it's a minimum of 650 shirts which uh, is <laughs> which is a uh, an impact of thirteen thousand meals provided for families in America. So um, it, it's pretty amazing, y'all. And we're doing some other incredible things. There was a positive impact event that Qualified Apparel was able to be a part of recently, where we were able to get distribute fifty blankets to the homeless in the Phoenix area uh, through a uh, through a mutual friend of mine that I met in Iceland two years ago, and I went over there for a solo trip, and it was really just an it was a God thing, dude, just like being able to do that and minister and just be a, uh, be a good steward and, um, do more things to make a positive impact. So it was really, really incredible and excited to release a video here soon, a promo video, uh, talking, you know, showing exactly what happened and basically just, you know, basically showing that, you know what, whenever you get involved with qualified apparel, you're not only feeding families in America, but you're also giving us the opportunity to facilitate experiences like this. So it's pretty incredible. I'm excited to share that with you guys. Ah, but man, y'all, it's been busy, but I'm excited to share this episode today. Let's get it popping, y'all. I have an amazing guest on the podcast today. His name is Jesse Smith. He is a friend of mine that we got connected through um, this uh, group, community group I'm, I'm a part of through Travis Chapel, which if you haven't listened to Travis Chapel's podcast, I encourage you to go check it out. It's called the Build Your Network Podcast. And uh, super awesome, lots of incredible value there. So I encourage you to go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, but we got connected through that. And let me tell you what, guys, this man's story, I was listening to it over again. The, the power of persistence and the will to make a way where there is no way, where it doesn't seem like there's a way, is really much personified in this man's story. And I know that you're going to get incredible amounts of value in it. And I'm excited to get into this conversation here shortly. Before we do, y'all, I got to remind you, this podcast is absolutely free. You know, we do not run ads in this show. That's not why this podcast was created. However, the very best way that you can support us, you know, if you're getting value out of this, which with every episode, which I hope you are, 
is by sharing it out with a friend, letting someone else know about it. You know, whether that's posting it, you know, on your Instagram story, maybe that's posting it on Facebook, sending it out an email list, letting your Uber driver know about it, a friend you know, know about it, whatever. It's like sharing it out is one of the best ways to support this podcast. Because more importantly, the reason that the reason whenever you do that kind of thing and you tell someone about it, the better impact the better ability we have to make an impact in someone's life in a positive way. So it's really, really exciting. If you could do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. And also another great way to support us is by leaving a five-star review, a five-star review, but also a written review, letting us know what you enjoyed most about this podcast is is an incredible way to do that as well. If you ever have any feedback, whether whether you have topic suggestions or you know, have some constructive feedback or whatever have you, there's two ways of getting in touch. You can either reach out directly to me on my Instagram account at Ryan C. Huff, or you can reach out via the qualified podcast at gmail.com. You can welcome to send an email there as well. And I would love to hear from you. love to connect and uh, learn more how we can make this podcast even better. Oh man, y'all. So uh, I mentioned before about qualified apparel and y'all, this company is where we are we will be the leading positive impact brand and we are working every day towards becoming that and guys if you are interested in supporting this podcast even more and make it more importantly in making an impact in someone's life in a positive way every one item purchased from qualified apparel provides 20 meals for families in america via our giving to Feeding America. And if you're interested in doing more with that, we have a whole line of clothing on there and uh, would love to uh, love to have you, love to serve you, and more importantly, love to make an impact and you know, feed families in America together, make a difference together. So that's what we're really all about and uh, just making a positive impact. That's like what this podcast is about, y'all. It's like our, our mission and everything with it. You know, I believe that we're all qualified to make a difference in the world we live in. You know, however, there is a massive difference between having potential being able to do something great with your life and actually going out and doing something with it, right? Which is why on this show, we discuss topics, ideas, strategies, things I've done in my life, as well as things of inspiring guests that they've done in theirs that have helped to make a change. And my hope is that something I say or guest shares is the catalyst for that positive change that empowers you, enlightens you, inspires, whichever the proper adjective is <laughs> that puts you on the path towards making your dreams into a reality because you're qualified for more. You're created for more. There's no reason for you to settle for a, me for a mediocre life because you're worth more than that. So y'all, let's get into it today. This is episode number 82 with my friend, Jesse Smith. I know you're going to enjoy this podcast, y'all. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to The Qualified. I am freaking pumped for this episode today. I say it every week, but y'all, I am elated. Here's why, because every guest that I bring on The Qualified, I know they will add value to your life. This guest is no different. I have the one and only Mr. Jesse Smith in the building with me today. My man, what is going on? What is up? What is up? What is up? Super excited to be here. Appreciate you bringing me on, brother. Dude, heck yeah, man. Shout out to Christy Cronin who helped to get this whole thing set up. She's the reason I'm actually got involved with the Build Your Network uh, community and shout out Travis yep. Chapel and such. So, dude, Absolutely. anyways, before we get started, before we get introduced to you know what you're all about, what you do, um, where your life's going, all this kind of jazz, all the value you're about to bring, um, I'm going to go in quick and get started with a quick word of prayer and then we'll get this thing popping. Father God, thank you so much for this amazing day. Lord, I... God, 2019 has been absolutely amazing. I thank you for all the things that you've done in my life, but Lord, also the things that you've done in my new friend Jesse's life as well and the growth that he's experienced and the things that has happened in his life this year. 
And God, I pray that in this in this interview, in this conversation that Jesse and I are about to have, Lord, I pray that you'll help me ask the right questions. But Lord, also that you would empower Jesse to say the right things that maybe he wasn't thinking about sharing or I wasn't thinking about sharing. But more importantly, Lord, that the people that are listening today will realize that they are qualified for more and that they will get value out of this podcast and that something that we say will be the catalyst for positive change in their life and that they will move their lives forward to live the lives that they were created and put on this earth to become. In your name I pray, amen. All right, dude. So Jesse, tell us a little about yourself, man. Where are you from? How old you are? Like uh, what you're doing in your life today? What's your career? What's, this, what's your social security number? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, man. So uh, my name is, like I said, Jesse Paul Smith. And I put the Paul in there just because if you Google Jesse Smith, it is an absolute nightmare. Uh, so it's funny because when I tell people, you know, oh, this is my name. They're like, oh, that's a real vanilla name. Yeah, my dad's name is John Smith. So oh, let's, not no. even, let's not even go there. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I live up in Superior, Wisconsin. You don't know where that is? Not surprised. Um, but it's, uh, it's right on the tip of Lake Superior, right where Wisconsin and Minnesota connect. Okay. Um, so often, in fact, that I don't tell people that I'm from Superior because I, when I say Superior, they're like, where's that? When I say Duluth, which is like really right next door, everybody's like, oh, I know where that's at. So, um, but uh, yeah, I've is been- a pretty I've area been, up there? It's, you know, it's great. Um, <laughs> we do have all four seasons, uh, but one of the seasons is apparently got- uh, it's it's got a pride issue because it likes to take up nine months of the year and that's winter. Forget so, that, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we get the 60 below wind chill, you know, 70 below wind chill weather where they cancel school cause it's too cold to even walk outside. Gosh. Um, and we get, so we haven't gotten a ton of snow, like a ton in our eyes, no. uh, over the last couple of years, except apparently we're making up for it this year because in the last since since thanksgiving we have already accumulated over 50 inches of snow 50 so, yeah it's it's been crazy it's been dude crazy. that's I, i've never even seen that much like I, I think the last time it snowed here in texas was a good like what seven eight years ago and it yeah. lasted for a day and then the next day it melted away and i was perfectly fine with that it so. go, it gets so bad we <clears throat> uh on my house i had to like literally they have these tools called a, a, a um a roof rake and what it is it's to take the snow off the roof because the snow gets so heavy on the roof oh, it can sure. actually cause problems especially if you have like eaves so like i was doing the roof rake the other day and there was over two and a half feet of snow on the roof gosh yeah it's crazy. <laughs> And then I questioned why I even posted it on my Facebook the other day. I said it was like three below and we were like buried in snow. And I go, I'm looking at all of my friends like on Instagram or Facebook and they're all like posting pictures of, you know, their shorts and t-shirts. Right. And I'm like, I was just about to ask like, why do you? <laughs> so, from, 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 so from the North and what, so were you born and raised there as well? Yeah. So born in, born in Duluth. Uh, and I, you know, it's, I, I used to think that it was normal, my life, but I've come to realize that actually I was not normal. Like I come from, you know, we moved once in my entire, like my parents still live in the house that we lived in when I, when we moved when I was nine. Oh, wow. um, so like we've moved once. My dad had the same job for 35 years until he retired. Um, like he worked from literally from 7 a.m. to 3.30 uh, PM Monday through Friday. We knew when he was going to be home. We ate dinner at the same time. My parents have been married for, 
they've been married now for 43 years. Good for them. Um, That's awesome. You know, I mean, it just, so I thought this is the way life is. And then sure. go to talk, talk to everybody. They're like, you're strange. Like, right. that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. Do you have any siblings as well or just a single child? Yeah. Or what? Yeah. So I'm the eldest and then I've got uh, two brothers and a sister. Uh, I've got a, a brother that lives down uh, in, Sh I love saying this word because it's like the weirdest name for a city, but Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Sheboygan, okay. Sheboygan Wisconsin. And, kind of a fun uh, word to say. Yeah. So he, he lives down there with his wife and they've got two kids. And then my sister is in Milwaukee with her husband and they have, they just, they just had a baby. And then I've got nice. a, a young brother that's still trying to figure life out. He just graduated from college. He's 24 years old. And so. He's uh, tackling life right now. Nicely done, man. Nicely yeah. done. That's awesome, dude. So, what what was uh, what was life like growing up? Did you like? Did you end up going to like a college or anything, or did you you know small town USA or what? Yeah, so small town USA. So I, uh, you know, I I don't know what what the the deal is, but with me, like I always had dreams of bigger and better. Like ever since I've been you know 11, 12 years old, I I had big dreams. I I you know yeah. when I um. I, I didn't play much uh, sports until I got into fifth grade okay. and um, my parents didn't have a ton of money. So we, in, in where I live sports uh, and kind of like the social economic status kind of went hand in hand. Okay. And so, uh, but I, I wanted to do something. So I started playing basketball and I was terrible. And, uh, and, and, and in fifth grade, like I was the worst on the team. They had an A, B and C squad. And I think I was on the bench of the C squad. Oh no. Most of the time it was terrible. But then I, I fell in love with the sport. And so I would literally practice three, sometimes four hours a day. I'd be outside so much that I was dribbling the basketball that my, my tips and my fingers started splitting open, but I had really? like these big dreams that I was going to play on the Charlotte Hornets, me, Alonzo morning and Larry Johnson. We were going to be homies. Okay. So like, <laughs> uh, I was decked out all the time, decked out in like Let's Charlotte go. Hornet gear, man. Like sure. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. So, um, I always, you know, so I wanted to be in the NBA and then, you know, when I, when I realized you're five foot, nothing and can hardly jump over a piece of paper. Like it, it, the chances of me being in the NBA was not going to be very good. Um, you know, uh, so, um, I, and then I, I've always been involved in music, uh, since I was three years old and singing about, or performing like, like instrument. Uh, everything like oh, okay. nice. drums, piano, singing, like at three years old, I was put on a citywide church tour singing the books of the Bible. Really? Uh, and so that's, yeah, it's kind of what got me started doing. Let's hear a couple, thing. couple verses of amazing. Yeah, grace the, yeah, no, we're, we're good there. I'm <laughs> not gonna, uh, if they want to check out my music video, they can go and look up JP Roque on YouTube. I've got a, I've got a music video on there. Roger um, that. There we go. So, um, but, but, um, the, you know, I, I fell in love with music. I really started getting heavily involved in music in middle school is when I really started like this whole idea of like using music, um, using music to, to do something, you know, in a, in a big scale. And, and, um, I was really bullied in school, um, severely right. bullied in school. Um, and so music for a while was an escape for me. And, uh, you know, but it also gave me a voice. And my whole thing was I wanted to be able to, if I could do it, this reject from school that was bullied, you know, couldn't buy a date to save my life, just completely, completely pushed around and, and, and thrown to the wayside. 
I knew that there was other people because I watched them in school. There was other people that were getting that same kind of treatment. And so if I could do something big with my life, I was hoping that that was going to give other people permission to be able to do something big with theirs. They Mm. didn't have to be the popular kid. They didn't have to be, you know, super talented or whatever the deal was like that, that you, they had value as a person. And, um, and, and that's really what I wanted it to, to, to turn into. So I I did like aspirations wise, like that's what I was going to do. And, and, um, so I was a big dreamer. Um, and quickly realized it was in high school that I realized that just cause you got big dreams and you're super excited about it doesn't mean everybody's going to support you. Um, nice. in, in fact, um, like I said, I was definitely not, uh, definitely not the best looking kid in, in high school. And, uh, I had this girl that I had this big crush on Samantha Stupak and she was shout out. Yeah. Shout out. I don't even know. I've never even, never even seen her since high school. So if she listens to this podcast and be really strange. Um, what's up, so, Sam? Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, um, like she, uh, she, um, was sitting behind me in, in English class or no history class. And, uh, we had a, we had a substitute and, you know, substitute teacher wise, like in high school for me, uh, and I graduated in 99. So when, when we were going to school, like if we had a substitute teacher, it was like an unsung mutiny. There was no, oh yeah, was no work getting done. So oh, I yeah. think out of complete sheer boredom, I don't remember if none of her friends were at school that day or whatever, but like I'm sitting there twiddling my pencil and all of a sudden I get a kind of tap on my shoulder and she goes, you know, we're, we're getting ready to graduate. So I'm just curious, what, what are you planning on doing with your, you know? with yourself after high school. I'm like, I got myself an in. This, this, this is my moment. This is, this is, this is like, you know, the whole thing on, uh, you know, a, a, a movie where they got the light shining. Down. Right. Right. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is for me. So, uh, so you yeah, lose I, yourself in the music. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be it. I, I looked right at her with all the confidence in the world. I said, well, you know, I'm going to do music. And she was like, like playing the orchestra, you know? Oh, no. uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. And this is when like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys right. were starting to like, nah, really baby, you got off. it wrong. Let me tell you. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do, you know, pop music, you know, like Justin Timberlake NSYNC, right. you know, and she goes, she looks at me and she goes, sweetie. Now for all the guys that sweetie, still haven't learned, wow. <laughs> that haven't learned this lesson yet, I'm going to give you a quick one-on-one lesson on woman speak. Okay. <sighs> Because when a girl ever looks at you, and, and, and every time I tell this story and I'm in a group and I'm in a, a crowd full of women and I just say that right. with my head cocked in the puppy right. dog, they <laughs> laugh because they already know what that means. Oh, you yeah. know, and all the guys are like, what does that mean? Um, so, uh, so anyways, I, I, she looks at me and she goes, sweetie. And I, she goes, you have to be good looking to oh, do wow. pop music. And there yeah, was my dreams fired. shattered. <laughs> so it was, it was, I quickly learned that just because you had a dream and were excited about life didn't mean that uh, everybody else was. So oh, for sure. Um, that sweetie thing in the South, she would have said, if she was in the South, it would have been, uh, oh, bless your heart is what she would have said. <laughs> <laughs> and handed me a sweet potato pie and said, <laughs> probably. <"You're off." laughs> Hey man. So, so like what, what was like what happened after that? Would y'all like did you did that play with like your like uh, feeling that you know you couldn't do it or was that more like fuel to your fire or what? 
I mean, it. So I'm, I'm sure it didn't of, stop with her. I'm sure other people probably, you know, came and like, you know, started doubting you going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, I. There's been. It's kind of interesting because I've I've had this two. I've had this like constant battle inside of me. Like I can't. Um, I can't stay down very long. And I, I don't say that to, mm. to, to brag. Cause it's not like I'm, I can take every punch. Cause trust me, like I've, I've, I've had to take some serious punches and, and there's been times that I've been laying on my back and been like, man, like, do I really have the strength to get back up? Like, right. can I really do this? <clears throat> um, but you know, you have that, you have that desire, especially as a, as a musician and a performer, we base a lot of what we do, our energy, um, our validation based on everybody else's opinion, because you got to think about it. Your records don't sell unless everybody else likes it now. So if you don't, if you're not careful, you quickly move from doing you to doing the you that everybody else wants you to be. Mm. And, and so, you know, I, I was, my parents, you know, they were like, well, that's great that you want to do music, but you know, might want to get more realistic. Like my mom never sure. came out and said, you're not good enough to do this. Like you're never going to be, you're never going to mount to that. Like I had really supportive parents, but they still had the parent button, right? That was like, right. you live in superior Wisconsin to make money doing music, unless you're going to be a music teacher, which I didn't want to do. Um, and, you know, or some more conventional way of using music to generate income. The other one was to be like a worship pastor, which that was kind of really before worship pastors became in demand. Sure. And so, um, you know, now worship pastors are, are sought after all over the place. Right. But before, you know, in, in the late nineties, even though they were, there was some churches utilizing them, it, it wasn't like what it is today. Right. And so, um, so, but none of that really was what I wanted to do. So they were always encouraging me to go to school. So that's what I did. I did what everybody told me I needed to do. Right. I, from uh, a place of love because they didn't want to see you fail or whatever yeah. have you, but you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went to school for, right. I went to college, community college for one semester. Did you hate it or uh, love it? I hated it. Same, because, dude. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, like my, somebody Okay, I better be careful what I say. Somebody needed to fire my guidance counselor. Okay, Good. because our career guidance counseling session was basically a day that they threw us in a computer lab. Now, this is 1998, dial up AOL, right? Oh, they yeah. threw us in a computer lab and said, research careers that you think you want to do. That was my guidance counseling like session. So I come from a, not a poor family, but not a family that had a lot of money. Okay. I watched my dad always be frustrated at, you know, every two weeks, like I told you, my dad's job was very consistent. His routine was very consistent. Every other Friday, he sat down at the head of the table. I can remember it like it's yesterday. And he would always fill out his checks and pay his bills. And I could always hear him frustrated and say, there's more bills than there are money. Hmm. And, and I, I, I hated it. And I didn't want to live that way. So when I went into the, when I went into the computer lab, I was like, what makes a lot of money? And that's what I did. And my mom was like, oh, you'd always, you know, you'd be so good in the medical field. Cause my mom was an LPN before she got into a car accident that pretty permanently disabled her in 1991. Okay. So 
she What's had an LPN? This, like, Sorry. Uh, lowest paid nurse is what they would say, but it's, oh, right, it's okay. actually one step <laughs> below an RN. So okay. they don't really have LPNs that much anymore. I think they've actually eliminated that. Um, but um, it was basically CNA, LPN, RN back then. Okay. And so um, she was working at a hospital part-time, but got into a car accident. So she, she, you know, she uh, couldn't work anymore, but she said, Jesse, you know, you're so good with people. She goes, you'd be such a good, you know, so many doctors out there are really smart, but they have no EQ. They have no ability to be able to interact with patients or the nurses, make them feel like garbage. You'd be really good at that. So I just was like, well, okay. So I researched, you know, medical stuff. I didn't want to be a doctor, but, you know, nursing was not as much intensive schooling as you know, a doctor, you know, doing the doctor thing. So I looked up like nursing stuff and I, I stumbled across a nurse anesthetist. And at that time, the average nurse anesthetist made $180,000 a year. What's a nurse that anesthetist? Like, what is that? They're, they're the, they're the ones basically that assist the anesthesiologist to knock you out before you do surgery. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so I was like, yo, 180 grand. My dad's <laughs> never even seen more than $35,000 a year. I'll take right. that job. Sure. Yeah. You could kind of handle that. But in college, we, I, so I went into this community college and they did this, you know, I had to go through my CNA program and the CNA program, uh, you spent a week in a nursing home. Now for all of you CNAs out there that are listening to this, all of you people that work in a nursing home, you are a saint. Seriously. You are, you, you, you definitely don't get paid enough. You don't get acknowledged enough. You're overworked. Because I'll tell you, I spent a week in that place and I spent half of it in the janitor's closet hiding because right. I didn't like the work. I, it was miserable. And so it caused me to take a semester off. That was in 2000. Right. I'm still taking that semester off. <laughs> For sure. Almost 20 years later, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're still in the land of indecision. So when did that, it's like that, what did that, so after you, you know, realized that college wasn't for you, like, cause I know that, you know, I know what you do today, but like, how did, like, how did you end up doing today where you're, you know, where you, you know, got to like more so. So how did that transition to you dancing for, eventually for Justin Timberlake would like to get into that? Like, how did that, you know, how did you end up pursuing something else after you realized like, you know, this whole nursing thing isn't for me and the medical field isn't for me? Yeah. I, you know, so during this time in high school, I was, I was playing in a band, um, and, uh, affectionately known as once blind. And, uh, once we, blind, okay. we, yeah, we, uh, not to be confused had, with third eye blind, right? That's right. That's okay. right. <laughs> uh, it was kind of like a Southern rock. If you knew what third day was back in the day. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like third day. Our, our, our lead singer, our songwriter is a I mean, an amazing songwriter. And we started getting some like local clout and people started coming to our shows and stuff. And we yeah. had this, we had this audition for word records, uh, down in Minneapolis. And, um, it was kind of like the last hurrah because our lead singer had met this girl and he wanted to marry this girl, but the dad That's didn't like yeah. him oh, because no. he was a musician and wasn't doing anything with his life. So he was like, either we get this record deal or I have to quit because, uh, I got to go to school and become a big boy. So, um, so we go to the the record audition and we don't get it. And, um, it was like five or six different bands that were pining for this one spot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we didn't get it as a lot of auditions go. It was our first, you know, first record audition, you know, small town, uh, you know, um, musicians just 
we we thought oh because we get this audition we're man we're going places we made it right it was it was our first uh taste of real heartbreak and so the band disbanded and so um i you know i just i needed something to keep me going and so i ended up as as i was going to school i ended up bumping into some friends that that started to that that like to dance and there was like this club that you could go to that was that was 18 plus and i didn't i wasn't into alcohol i wasn't into any of that stuff but um i started learning this this thing called hip hop dance and it was funny because how old were you at the time um i was 20 okay um and, uh, you know, we, I never was exposed to this. Like I didn't even learn about Michael Jackson. Like I knew of him, but I didn't really start learning my Michael Jackson music until like my early twenties. Really? Um, oh, wow. Right. And so, um, it was, it was straight up church music and Carmen, baby. We were, we were, like, <laughs> wow. Carmen. yeah, man. Golly. <laughs> We were, we were, that was Give all we were C, rocking in the car. C, you got your C, you got your C, <laughs> dude, I'm the guy, you just took me back, wow, holy. Yeah, God. so, um, so, <laughs> uh, I, I started going to this, this club and started dancing, like, all the time, and, and, um, and, uh, like, couldn't afford dance lessons, and really, that style of dance wasn't being really taught up here, and so, um, I just, man, I found everywhere that I could to start dancing and, 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 um, and so, uh, I mean, I, I even went to Walmart, uh, at like 10 o'clock at night, I found out between 10 and midnight, um, it was a chance for me to go because the traffic was really low. Um, I could go and do it by like all the hair care products and, uh, you could hear the radio playing. Um, and but so I would you would go dance in Walmart. Cause I couldn't afford a place to, I couldn't afford studio space. I didn't know where else to go. I didn't have room, uh, in wow, my house. Talk about my being house resourceful. Wow. Yeah. So, um, that's why like, man, when people say, well, I can't do this, I can't do this. No, you, you, you either make moves or you make excuses. Right. And you so, got to find a way. Um, wow. Make a way. So I, uh, I mean, I would go to the club on, I would go to the club and, uh, on, on Wednesday night is when they had dry night they called it they had another dry night on thursday and then friday and saturday they had the big hooplas but i just wanted to go and dance they had a free dj um i could go and dance and so i would go to the club wednesday thursday friday saturday to dance and no alcohol and because i didn't drink i could go do my thing come back get a couple hours of sleep and get up for work the next morning Wow, dude, I want to touch on, I think what you just talked about, what you did a quick drive on is I, I love what uh, Dan, uh, Dan Long on Born Impact podcast calls. He's like, this is an instant impact moment. Like you literally made your way where there was no way. Like you didn't have, you didn't have an, an, a dance hall to dance. You didn't have an area. You could do that as well. Lit. You went to Walmart of all places, found an aisle from between 10 and, and midnight that you heard music and you practiced there. Like. Yeah. Y'all, if you have the, that whole adage where there's a will, there's a way, yep. bro, way to go. Like, way to go. Like, I mean, obviously, this goes, we'll go further than this, but like, way to have that mindset. It's like, all right, I can't do this. And even, and to even have the ability to even be thinking that way at 20 years young to be like, all right, you know what? All right, I, I don't have this option. I have to, well, you know, Walmart's open and they have an aisle that I could dance in. Let's go ahead and do that. Dude, way to go. Like, that's amazing, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, people ask me often, they'll, they'll say, well, why, you know, what kept you, what kept you always looking? Because trust me, I, you know, one of the things that I can't stand is you either watch these internet 
you know, internet gurus or you watch, you know, you, you listen to people's stories and, and even on these podcasts, we, we we're trying to fit somebody's life into an hour conversation. Sure. Right. And so, yeah, you're going to get the highlight reel, right? But the highlight reel doesn't, doesn't include, it's kind of like when you read the Bible and you're like, oh man, you know, I, I read from one chapter to one chapter and it was destitute and now it's victory. And what you don't realize is sometimes the time frame between chapter to chapter is three or four years. Right. And so you're, more, not, yeah. you're not getting all of that, right? It sounds romantic. It sounds fun that you were, you know, that man, that guy went and, 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 and sought out a place in Walmart. You want to know why I did that is because I watched my parents struggle. And all I knew is that that's not what I wanted. And so the only, if I was going to do, if I was going to, um, just give up. I was going to be willing to accept what I didn't want. And one of my mentors, Paul Martinelli says this, and I absolutely love this. People will often trade what they want for what's familiar. Mm. And, and, Settle, and yeah. I, I can't, I can't, th- that's what keeps me getting up because if I stay down, that means I have to accept what, what, where I'm at. And, and I'm not okay with that. Right. And there's a difference between being content, right? And, and, you know, so many people say, well, you you need to be content. Listen, content is about being grateful for where you're at. Absolutely. It's not about staying where you're at. Boom. Yep. And, 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 and so for me, I I was grateful for what I had, but I didn't want to stay there. And so if, if I stayed there, I was going to have to accept what I didn't want. And that's probably what drove me the most. I didn't want, I didn't want to accept the fact that I knew that, there was people that were miserable, you know, at, at, at 22 years old, um, I had, uh, or 21 years old, I had a friend of mine hang himself, you know, and, and so you, you know that there's people that are constantly going through pain. There's people that are constantly feeling less value than, than what they really have. And I wanted everything in me to prove, listen, I am a small town boy with absolutely no reason to make it. I have no ability. Uh, you know, there wasn't a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, I don't have a lot of connections, none of this. And if I can do this, I don't care what it is that you want to do. If I can do this, you can do it. You can do what you want to do too. Right. So that's always what kind of drove me. And, and so, you know, I would, I would practice all the time, but dancing didn't pay the bills. <laughs> so, um, I still had this desire to make money. And right. the only thing that I knew to do was to go in the classifieds in the paper. This is when actually the paper was delivered to your house. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I'd go through, I'd go through the, I'd go through the classifieds and all the jobs that I was qualified for were sales jobs. And because I didn't need a degree, I didn't, you know, need all this stuff. They're like, we'll train you, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, here's the income that you can make. Right. And so that's what, that's really how I started to get into, started to get into hardcore sales. Okay. Well, where, so where did the, um, before we get into that, where did, uh, the whole Justin Timberlake dancing for him come about though? It's like, yeah, he's dancing so, for that. So, well, so that's one that fascinating to me. That's just awesome. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the thing of it was, was the sales jobs, every job that I took. And I, I I'm one of those guys that like, I've had, like, if you took a look at my resume and I actually put every job that I had down on there, like we'd run out of printer ink. It's a lot. Cause I, I was list, always, <laughs> I was always looking for the next thing. Right. Um, but it was always a means to an end. 
Like my goal never changed just because I took sales jobs. Didn't mean that I was giving up on my dreams of, you it know, was a, it doing, was allowing you to afford the, you know, afford the steps along the so, getting to sometimes right. for sure. <laughs> sometimes, right? More or less. Right. Yeah. That, that was, that was the, that was the purpose. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I sold everything from insurance. I sold Kirby vacuum cleaners, construction projects, pager services. I, I mean, you name it, I sold it. Right. And, um, and so, um, I, uh, I ended up, I ended up hearing about an audition down in Minneapolis and, uh, go to find out it was kind of a, a hokey audition. It's a lot of these auditions, they don't do them too much anymore, but back then they were doing all, they did a lot of these like auditions where you paid all this money to go audition. And, uh, then, um, or you go to the audition actually. And then an agency would say, oh, we can totally represent you, but you need to pay us this kind of money for this package so that we can help represent you. What? Now, a real agency isn't going to charge you money. Right. Uh, these were all these, and, and they'd go to these smaller towns, like where I live, where people are ignorant. They don't they didn't know, know any better. Right. Yep. And so uh, I heard about this audition. Anyways, I go down there and I, 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 I'm like super excited. I bring my guitar. I have some songs that I've written. I'm going to dance for them. I'm going to just blow them out of the water. And so I go in there and I audition for this, this lady who's been on, and I can't even remember her name anymore, but she had been on a bunch of different soap operas and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and she, she, she looked at me and she closed the door and I was like, uh, okay. And she goes, honestly, Jesse, we don't have anything for you here. You're way too talented. I can't offer you what you really deserve. And I'm super grateful for that because I was desperate. So I would have figured out whatever I needed to figure out. Um, and so she goes, I know of an audition though that's down in Florida that you do need to go to. Um, it's going to be an investment, but trust me, it'll be worth it. And it was called fashion rock. <clears throat> now this was in 2004, um, and, or 2005. And, uh, so, um, fashion rock was put on by Lou Pearlman, who's now in jail. He's the guy that he's the guy that, uh, put together backstreet boys and, uh, in sync. He oh. also is the one that embezzled a ton of money and got him in jail. Well, good, um, good for him. Yep. So, um, but he put on these auditions and so, um, there was every scout, every agency was down there. You had to pay a ton of money to go down there, a ton of money to me at the time. Cause I had to buy the plane ticket, rent the sure. hotel room. And I think the whole, like the whole thing to get me down there was like 1600 bucks. And to me, that was just as big as a million because oh, I, sure. I just, we don't have any money. Right. So literally again, down to the fact that I would go to Walmart. Well, um, I, I met a guy and he kind of gave me some, some tips on, you know, he, he was the first one that introduced me to a smart plan. And, um, this guy was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire bought and sold businesses. And, um, he gave me the smart plan. And so he kind of held me accountable to that. Well, one of the things that we developed, he's like, what is something you can do that, you know, a lot of people don't now for all of you salespeople out there, this is a really, I didn't realize it then, but for entrepreneurs, salespeople, this is a huge aha moment for you because what he said is think of something 
that you know most people don't like to do or feel like it's a waste of their time to do that you can do Hmm. and go do that because they'll pay you money for that. Now, the, the other thing that he taught me was do it differently or better. Tony Robbins says, if you can be 10% different or 10% better, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be in good shape. If you can do both, you'll, you'll be unstoppable. And so, you know, in the marketplace, figure out what your competitors aren't doing. That is a big pain point for your target audience and live there and serve there because that's where your niche is found. But anyways, he, uh, he told me to go and, and I said, well, I can mow lawns. I know a lot of people that don't like to do that. So I went and just knocked on doors and said, Hey, I'm going to an audition, but I need extra amount of dollars to go. What will you give me to mow your lawn? I didn't set a price. I just said, what would you give me? And sometimes people would offer me ridiculous amounts of money that I wasn't going to accept. Like one guy, one guy had like two acres of land one time and he was going to offer me a dollar. I said, so, um, but like I, I did that, 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 I did that. And I'll tell you what, I kept going, I kept going, I kept going. And finally I ran out of lawns to mow. And, um, and I was way well below what I needed to make. And so I called him. I said, man, this isn't going to work. He said, well, uh, think of something else that nobody wants to do. Now, my mom, every Saturday morning before me and my brothers and sister could go and do anything, we had a list. Because see, my mom got permanently disabled, so she couldn't clean the house. But her expectations for a clean house didn't go away (laughs) with (laughs) with, with that. So we became the new maids of the house. So, and my mom wouldn't be like, Oh, go clean the bathroom. And then you clean the bathroom. She would go and check it. Hmm. So if it wasn't up to her standard, you're going back in there. So I knew how to clean a house and I knew that there was one room in the house that nobody liked to clean. Nobody. And that I could probably find some people that didn't want to clean that room and allow me to clean it. So I went and knocked on doors and I asked people if I could clean their bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And you were 21 at the time or what? I was 20, 24 at the time. I, and I I was necessary. I was was doing whatever I could. I was selling stuff. I was, Mm. I mean, but so I, and I'll tell you out of, I think people said yes, out of pure entertainment. (laughs) <laughs> because there are some things that I hope to God I will never see. Again. Okay? Oh man. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I earned, I earned the money to go. And, sure. uh, and so I ended up getting down to the audition and, and, um, uh, you know, there was 1500 dancers there. Wow. Um, most of them had a lot of choreography experience and I'll tell you, I got down there. I thought, Oh man, I'm here. Like I'm going to make it. And right. then I realized crap. I'm a freestyle dancer. The way that they audition is that they teach you choreography. Mm. I, and, and we're not talking like we're going to give you four months to learn the piece. We're talking, here's the piece, 45 minutes. You're going to learn it. That's it. Wow. And um, Michael Jackson, one of Michael Jackson's choreographers was the choreographer for that piece. Standards and so high, we're, not, right? we're not talking like two-stepping, right? We're, we're talking... <laughs> 
some difficult choreography and you're fighting for room. You're, you're trying to, I mean, I was trying to learn this thing like nobody's business. And I, I just knew crap. I took all this time to get here. I've got to learn it. Well, we were at a five-star resort and this was the nicest hotel I had ever been in. Like you had waterfalls by the pool and everything like this, like a light show out there. So man, after everybody had learned their stuff, everybody's partying, having a good time. But I had a choice. Am I going to give up the experience that I could have right now? And there'd be a good chance that I wouldn't succeed at this audition. Or should I give up the experience that I could have right now so that I could eventually be able to experience the life that I wanted? And so I found a corner that delayed in the back of the hotel. Yeah. And I took the piece that they, the, the song that they practiced, that the, that the um, audition was to. And I spent 10 hours in the corner of a hotel, push and play, getting back to that part, push and play, rewinding the song, push and play, working 10 hours straight so that I could actually do the choreography because I didn't have choreography experience. A lot of these people had been in dance studios for 10, 15, you know, years. It was easy for them now, right? It was, they just picked it up and they know it. Yeah, right. So, um, and you know, out of that, out of 1500 dancers, I got top five male and got put on the stage, um, danced for everybody, got recruited by Disney Caribbean cruise line, every major dance agency. So I moved out to LA and, um, Moved out to LA and uh, signed with McDonald's Selznick Associates and uh, started my journey out there. And that was in 2005. And how long did you dance professionally for? I actually had a really short stint. So um, I was out there for just a little over a year. Um, I did a Pepsi commercial with Justin Timberlake. I did an SOS um, Nike promotional video with um, uh, Rihanna. Um, I did some... um, when when uh, Step Up was first coming out, I did some uh, commercial work with Channing Tatum and and the guys from Step Up to to market that. Um, and just as my career was starting to take off, um, I ended up having to move home because my parents were uh, getting my parents were becoming missionaries, and so they needed some help getting their estate put together. And what I thought was going to be a three month stint turned into a permanent move. Oh wow. Thing. What was what was one of the most valuable things that you learned from your experience, like dancing professionally, all the hard work that it took to get to that point? Um, I think, boy, there was a lot. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I realized was that um, community is really important. Um, there was a time for a while there that I unplugged and just kind of did my own thing and got caught up chasing the wrong stuff. Um, And I got caught up chasing fame instead of chasing purpose. Hmm. And um, legacy and significance, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. yeah, It disjointed me quite a bit. And um, that's when I, it's interesting because like I was at the quote unquote peak of my career out there and I was battling depression. Um, And so what I, what I learned was the value of, you know, we've heard it 
credits given to Jim Rohn, credits given to John Maxwell, credits given to everybody else and and their brother. But, you know, you're a product of the top five people that you hang around. Right. And, um, and not just picking any five people, but picking the right five people, um, I think would have, would have changed a lot of things for me. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it would have kept me on track with, with staying focused on what I wanted Sure. Um, initially then instead of getting sidetracked all the distractions and such that were there for sure yeah. that's great advice what um so after that after that whole experience unit moving back and how did that like what you guys i know right now you work for the john maxwell john maxwell team which is amazing like i already mentioned to you before how you know the jump 21 irrefutable laws of leadership was the first book that was put in my hand that got me started on this whole self-improvement self-help gig so like how did that after that whole transition you moving back home and such you know help your parents out um how did that transition you into getting into sales and getting involved into john maxwell and everything that you're doing today yeah um i i uh you know after i came home i um after i came home i i i uh started speaking because people started asking me to share my story about, you know, getting to Hollywood and stuff like that. Again, still doing like sales jobs. I, I started a dance studio for a little bit, realized I didn't want to be a, a studio owner. Um, then I traveled, started traveling around doing high school assemblies and, um, dance workshops. And, um, and then, you know, I, uh, then I, um, I, uh, I got married and and needed to produce more, you know, more uh, more income uh, consistently, and so then started working for for Best Buy, um, and did really well there. Moved up the ranks. We 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 um, we crushed it. But I still had this gnawing desire for for this music thing, and and so finally, actually, in two thousand and thirteen. I uh, got a record deal and, um, and, uh, I thought again, man, this is it. And then the record deal went really bad. And, uh, so I found myself facing bankruptcy. Wow. Um, I was battling depression again. Um, and just where did the depression come from? Cause you mentioned having that whenever you were in Hollywood, you know, dancing and basically like you, like you said, the peak of your, you know, peak of your career, you're dealing with depression. Then, then you come back home, you do have another career change and such. You're, you're, you're having experiencing success. Like, what do you think was causing your depression? Like, what was the root cause of that? Um, you know, I, I can speculate. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, professional in that area. Um, sure. I never went and saw anybody for it. I think for me, um, when you lose sight of, again, when, when, and t- Tony Robbins says this, it's almost impossible to be able to be depressed when you're focused on helping other people. Hmm. Most of the time depression comes. Now I'm not talking about the chemical one before we start getting people that fire us <laughs> off on, on this podcast. Right, right. Um, Oftentimes it happens when you start getting lost looking at the, the looking on the inside and start looking at what you're not instead of who you are. What's missing, right? Yeah, the, you're, you're, always, you're always comparing, you're always looking at your shortcomings and, and then saying you're a failure and tell me, trust me, when you, when you ask yourself questions 
your subconscious is going to give you the answer. So when you ask them, why am I always failing? Trust me, it's going to give you all the yep. answers. Yeah, it's a lousy sudden, question. Yep. All the evidence is going to pile against you. Yep. And then you start, you, you get lost in that darkness. And I started believing that I was a failure. I started believing that I was a waste of space. I started believing that I was a, you know, a, a joke of a, of a, of a father and, and just all this mm. stuff. Right. And, and so, um, I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of that, a lot of that stemmed from. And, um, so then, uh, I had to do something. And so I have, a, I have a, had a friend of mine that was crushing it in the hearing healthcare business. And, uh, he was always trying to recruit me, but I didn't want to sign up with him because I knew that all my sales jobs were a means to an end. So I didn't want to start something with him and then only to leave him hanging. Right. So I never said yes. True. Well, when my, when my record deal went bad, I was done with music. I said, this is it. That I'm was done. it. Really? Yep, I'm done. And, um, and you know, the whole like, well, I guess it's just not in the cards for me. Um, so I called him. And he came over and started sharing with me what he was doing, but he started sharing with me more about personal development than he did about sales strategies. And I was like, dude, this personal development garbage is just snake oil. <laughs> it's just another reason for somebody to sell you something. It's not really, it's not really true. And he right. said, well, Jesse, he says, you're broke. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and so I was like, well, yeah, "Hey, there you go." Got a point. So, um, <laughs> valid. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I uh, he offered me a spot uh, to join him, and uh, you know that's when I really dove into personal growth and development, and started develop started to dive into psychology and all that kind of stuff, and and we uh, we crushed it. We we ten x the revenue of that hearing aid franchise for y'all. Awesome. Um, and, uh, took a failing franchise and turned it around and started not only earning, like making more money than we had ever made in our life, but helping other people do the same thing by teaching them a sales process that we developed after thousands and thousands of case studies and research and everything else like that. And the John Maxwell team was really something we were looking for more leadership, uh, material to be able to teach our, um, our, our, our consultants. Right. And, um, uh, we joined the team and then uh, that's when I realized though that got to go big or go home. So I couldn't just stay in that hearing healthcare business that I needed to go out and, and consult and share more with people about what we had discovered about sales. There was more doing for you sales, out there. And you, yeah. You, and doing you sales differently, yeah. doing sales yeah. differently, not, not doing it like you see a lot of these hard closers out there doing it. And I don't believe in sales, uh, doing it that way. I think there's a, an approach that you can take with people that's relational. That's, you know, more conversation, more of a coach coaching approach. And we've proved it out in uh, so many different industries. And so that's kind of how I got involved in the John Maxwell team. And that's kind of really also what springboarded me and doing what I'm doing now. That's awesome. That's excellent, man. That's, that's awesome. Especially that transition going, especially when you realize like, all right, I, I, there's more for me out there. I can do more than this. And you just leveled yourself up and kept moving forward from that. I love that. And so that transitioned you into that. And I think one of the things that I love, uh, just to transition on the next, on the next topic is that I, I, do you feel, well, actually, before we get into that, do you feel that what you're doing today, um, teaching, equipping other people to, you know, up their level and up their level in sales and doing things that are, you know, basically a more, um, I was going to say a more human approach, but a more effective approach to selling and something that you can feel comfortable with and doing that you're helping like, you know, people see value in the product and whatnot. Do you feel that what you're doing today is helping you become more fulfilled than, it, than anything you were doing in the past? 
Um, I would say yes, because the interesting thing enough is that, you know, through all of this, through all of this, I've still been able to use my dancing and my music in doing what I'm doing right now. And what, what it has become is more about me focusing on helping people because I got lost in the fame game. I got lost in it being about me. I got lost in it being about me being up on the stage. I remember being disappointed, you know, going into a concert. And when you're coming up, like you do concerts, you, you know, I get brought in by churches or, or wherever, and you got 10, 15 people that would show up to your concert because nobody knows who you are. Right. And I remember getting so disappointed. Why? Because I wanted more people to validate that I was worth something. Right. It wasn't about me being up there serving people. It was about me getting validation that I was valuable or that I was some big celebrity. Where this, you're forced. It cannot, if, if you make it all about you, you aren't going to do well. Right. You know, and you need to champion other people's journey. You need to be, you need to, as Don Mil Donald Miller say, you know, you need to, you need to, uh, make them the hero. You're just the guide. Right. And, uh, and so I, um, I have learned the, the, the difference and, and it is so much more fulfilling because now I am able to fulfill that desire that I had in middle school that was like, listen, you can do this. Right. Um, you know, being able to sit and talk with people that have gone to sales trainings that, you know, it's like product demo hard, you know, product demo, overcoming objections, close the sale, outlast, outwit your, your, your clients. So they finally say yes. And, and I mean, I'm telling you there 90% of the sales training out there is, is still doing that. Right. And, and, and you got that, that works for about 10 to 15% of the population. So then you got 85% of the population that is like, I can't sell, but yet you have, you have all these people that want to be entrepreneurs that have a message or have something that they want to share with the world, but yet they say, I'm not a salesperson. Well, I've got news for you. If you don't sell stuff, you don't bring money into your business. And if you don't bring money into your business, your message is not going to go very far. Right. And so... I, I, I love being able to see a light bulb twitch on somebody's head when they're like, I came in not thinking I was a salesperson. I came in thinking that I didn't want to sell. And after learning your, your strategies and your sales process and all these guys, I love it because it's, it's conversational. It's what I love doing already. And I don't feel like I have to be a pushy salesman that I don't want to be. Right. No one wants to be a used car salesman or whatever no. have you. Right. For sure. No. So it's, it's been a blast. Dude, I love that, man. I love, especially I love it whenever you talk about it, how you get like passionate, more passionate about it, you get fired up. That's what I love when people talk about things that I know they're energetic about and passionate about because they just come alive whenever they do it. One thing that, um, I, that you had told me about whenever we first spoke that I loved, um, I thought was really, really awesome about you stepping into that. Um, you had talked to, maybe it was at a John Maxwell event, but it was something like someone had heard that you had danced, done all this dancing in the past and, you know, but you, but you didn't have like the suit, like you were in your suit. Like you know, if, for those who don't know, Jesse's also, um, he's very tat, 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 tatted up <laughs> and, uh, you know, got the sleeves and everything looking awesome. Um, but, uh, you're at this event. If you, I, I think, you know, the story I'm referring to, but if you wouldn't mind elaborating on that, I thought it was a really cool example. Yeah. So, um, a big encouragement to you that everything that you have a passion for is there to serve your purpose in one way, shape or form. Now where we often miss, 
get misguided is that we try to write the story of how we want it to look and how we want to use our gifts, how we want to use our strengths. And we have, we, we have this end goal that we want, we want to get to. And I had to learn a really hard way that sometimes it's not going to look the way that you thought it was going to look. Right. Um, in 2014, when my, when my record deal went completely south, um, and I walked away and joined the, joined the, my friend, Mike, I, I wrote off music. It was done. Um, I stopped dancing. I stopped. I mean, people were even calling me and doing to do youth events. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And I was really bitter. And so, um, I had, uh, you know, I had dabbled a little bit in, in, in social media stuff. I'm still not that great at it. I hang out mostly on Facebook because that's where my sales group is and stuff like that. And I, I do some work on Instagram and LinkedIn, but like, I, I really didn't understand how to use it. But, you know, in 2016, I think I had jumped on and done a Facebook live and talked about how I used to dance or I had danced with Justin Timberlake. And one of the people that is very influential in that group heard me do the Facebook live. And at the John Maxwell team conference, they have, um, every morning they have like high energy music and they had all these people that would get on stage. It was called the dance team that would pump everybody up for the morning so they could set the stage of the room. But the thing of it is, is it was really middle aged, like actually like mid fifties, uh, like, and, and, you know, mid fifties, forties people that were just <laughs> personalities that didn't know how to dance. They just, they liked getting up there with the pom poms and they sure. had these red jackets on and everything else. Like they that. played the role. That's not as well. As that's right. That's sure. right. And so, um, this guy, this guy actually, um, this guy actually by the name of Dave Gambrel, um, went and told somebody about, they're like, why do we have these people doing this when we actually have a professional dancer? In the room. Oh no. And, um, I didn't know any of this was going on. And sure. then finally, um, a couple people came to me. and was like, yo, um, they want you to dance. I was like, what do you mean they want me to dance? Well, did you used to dance for Justin Timberlake? I was like, who the heck told you? <laughs> like, I came in, I came in incognito. Like my mindset was this nobody. Cause at that time I knew that I was going to want to do consulting. I right. knew that I was going to want to do sales training. Who in the world is going to want to hire somebody that the sales trainer, that is just this hip hop dancer. Like I, I, we often have these thoughts that, that people are going to think about us that are not actually real. Right. That's what fear is. False evidence appearing real. Right. right? And, and so, so I, I, I had these, I was like, there's no way I can do this. And, and, um, and so, um, and I had been going to the John Maxwell conferences since 2017, um, twice a year, um, consistently. And I was connecting with people, but not really. I was wearing these big, fancy $3,000 suits, custom tailored suits, because you know, you need to appear professional and you need to appear like you're really, you know, successful. And that's what these CEOs are going to want that are going to hire other John Maxwell team members to do the trainings for their companies. Cause that those conferences had a ton of those people there. And right. so, um, so I was all nervous about this and I'm like, well, at the same time, I had been shoving this passion away. 
swatting it away every time it touched me, every time it, it came into my awareness, swatting it away. And when somebody asked me, my head was saying, heck no. Hmm. But man, my insides came alive. Sure. And I was like, part of me was like, yes. And the other part of me is like, no, right. <laughs> don't, don't do this again. You know, I had, the me no. yeah, I had the pain in my past saying, do you remember what happened last time? Well, yeah. Don't do that. Remember what happened last time. It's not going to work for you. Remember what happened last time. So many people that are listening to this podcast, you probably right now have things that are, are, are tugging on your tail that are tugging on your shirt like a little kid tugging on daddy's shirt. Hey, listen, I'm still here. I'm still here. And you're like, no, I did that once. Mm -hmm. I tried that before. Look what happened. And I said, I said, I don't know if I can do this. I said, but if I am going to do this, here's the deal. I can't dance in a suit. Like the tattoos have been covered. Nobody knew that I had sleeves. Really? No, I had long sleeve shirts on. And the hearing healthcare business, if you walked in with a tattoo, you were of the devil. You got to remember the, we had, you got old school mentality, right? right? Most of them don't want to see that stuff and they judge you right away. And so, um, I was like, I, I, I'm going to be in a, I'm going to be in a t-shirt ripped jeans. I mean, I dance like I still dress like I'm 18. Okay. Long tail tees. If you just need to know how I dress, go look at Justin Bieber. And <laughs> figure it out. So, um, so, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I have all these things that are going on in my head, but I'm like, you know what? It's not like I've really been connecting with a ton of people here anyways. And at the same time, I really want to do this. Hmm. And so they asked me to pick a song and it's funny because now it's become the infamous uh, John Maxwell team, like theme song. Uh, and not even on purpose. All I thought about was like, what are my kids going to want to see dad dance to on Facebook live? Cause I was going to cast this thing live. Sure. Um, what, 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 what would they want to see me dance to? And I thought the trolls theme song. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so we pulled out, we pulled out the Justin Timberlake trolls theme song. And I didn't even, it was like, Oh, that is a Justin Timberlake song. And, um, is that the can't stop the feeling? Is that what yeah, that song is? Can't oh, stop dude, I love that. Yeah. 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 Can't so, we, yeah, so <laughs> we were, we were, uh, so they, they put that on and, and I, I danced and I'll tell you, it was, it was like a light bulb went off and it, it was so cool because actually it inspired John Maxwell. John Maxwell got on stage, started dancing with me. Oh really? Oh, oh awesome. yeah. And then I got to do a minute with Maxwell and, uh, John Maxwell does these minute with Matt Maxwell's where you pick a word and he does a, uh, like an impromptu one minute to two minute teaching on it. And it was super funny because um, he thought my word was going to be dance. But the word I gave him was resurrect. Hmm. Because it was at that moment that God did something inside of me. He resurrected a dream that I had, but it didn't look the same way that I thought it was going to look. Wow. See, at that moment, he told me, he showed me, he says, he says, when I've called you to do something, I've called you to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't need to look a certain way. It doesn't need to, all the lines aren't going to, aren't going to add up. And, and so often he's going to do it in the most obscure way possible because the point of it was, is that I learned really hard. This was not about me. This was far bigger than that. See, 
I was called as a three-year-old kid running around doing the books of the Bible at a church to point in one direction, and that was him. This whole time, my whole life, I had been trying to point at myself. And see, when we've been given a dream, when we've been given a purpose, the purpose is not about us. The purpose is to prove that there is something bigger than us. That, that there is something that is more than just about your small life, that we are all connected. And in fact, what he wanted to show me was that I wanted to make this thing so absolutely out of this world, unexpected, where people would look at that and say, how in the world did it happen? That the only way that it could have happened was because of him. Mm. That was all this was about. And, 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 and he resurrected this dream. And, and, and I'll tell you, I have gotten more gigs I have been asked to speak at more events. I have been able to, to work with more people in the sales game, in the business world, because of me being 100% authentically me and not being worried about what's somebody else going to think because I realized something that God designed me exactly how he designed me unapologetically. That's right. And that the only way that I'm actually going to have the success that I want that he designed me to have anyways, is if I do only me. I don't, I, I tell people this all the time. I was so busy buying $3,000 tailored, tailored suits that would never fit me because I wasn't made to fit in a $3,000 tailored suit. I was doing it for them. I wasn't doing it because it was me. Now, if you wear suits, that's great if that's who you are. But if you're trying to cover yourself up, you are going to walk around and, and, and constantly try to find the missing piece. And the missing piece is you. Hmm. The missing piece is being 100% authentically you. And when you can step into that, you're going to start seeing that the vision that you've had this whole time is waiting for you. But you're not going to be able to get there. You're not going to be able to accomplish it until you step into who you were designed to be. Amen. No, that's huge. And I 100% agree with that. That's, 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 that's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's, not always, <laughs> it's like you said, it's not always going to look like you wanted it to. But man, I, like just kind of like what you, you know, touched on, it's like, once you realize that God gave you these things for a reason, it's like, it's not going to look how you like, just like, for example, we talked about, you know, before the podcast started, talked about how, you know, on off of uh, Joel Marion's podcast, how Noah was talking about, it's like, Hey, it's, it, just because God gives you a dream doesn't mean it's going to be like how you want it to look like. But also one thing that I just want, I think that's a great transitional point going into this. Cause I know when we're respectful of time, we're running, getting close here, but there's another point I want you to share because you and I are both huge Disney fans. And, uh, I, I, even saying that you smile. So <laughs> I, um, I, you know, love me Disney movies, but also it was, it was interesting. I tuned into your Facebook live recently and you talked about how this clip from Moana and I, it was funny. How Moana, you, baby. Dude, love it. And, um, I forget what I was trying to think of a, uh, Oh, there's one. I was trying to think of a Moana song, but I was the only one that comes to mind is, what can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> but uh, anyways, but I feel like I, in my life, before I, before I even, you know, before we even came in contact, I'm like, dude, most, most things in life can be easily related to a Disney movie, right? Most life lessons and such. And one of the things that you had mentioned um, was Moana reference, which, you know, like I said, I love Disney stuff. 
is a story where you're you're talking you expanded on it but what you talked about is you know god doesn't choose wrong and if you wouldn't mind going to like what you what like the quote from uh, moana was talking about is expanding on that story real quick i think what you said in that was was pretty dang powerful and resonates with um what the qualified is all about that we're qualified for more and it's oftentimes what we think that we're calling is doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easier you know you know, foolproof or whatever have you, but we are qualified for more. If you just wouldn't mind spending on the, you know, that God doesn't choose wrong and these dreams that you have for yourself, like you demonstrated through that experience that you just talked about, who am I expanding on that? I'd love to hear more. Yeah, it was, you know, uh, I think that's why I love Disney movies is because it speaks in my language and it teaches me something every time <laughs> I watch it. It's simple, um, right? There you go. It is, it is, and, and entertaining. But, um, absolutely. But yeah, it's, you know, that the, the clip that I was talking about was, um, there's a there's a part in the movie where um, Moana and and Maui are going to bring the heart of Tafiti back, and uh, and they're trying to get past you know the 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 fire demon um, Taka and and so, so I love the fact that we're just actually talking about a Disney reference right now to make a greater point. This is amazing. that's right, that's right, <laughs> and uh, and and you know so so. Um, you know they're they're trying to get past and and Maui's like listen we need to turn around and and Moana's like no we need to go forward and of course in the whole scenario um uh Maui tries to get past and and Taka smashes Maui and and uh it cracks his fish hook and um and that's where all his power is is you know tied to and so he's getting ready to leave he's like well, we're done I'm leaving. And, and Moana's like, no, listen, I have the heart of Tafiti. The, the ocean called me and said that I needed to get you, get your fish hook so that you could bring the heart of Tafiti back and, uh, and, and save us all. And you know, the ocean doesn't, the ocean doesn't choose wrong. They, they, the ocean chose me. And so we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And Maui says, looks right at her and says, you know what? The ocean chose wrong. And I think so many times, um, there's, there's so much in that, that, that segment, but I think so many times, you know, we are looking at other people's opinions to validate that what we're doing is right. Hmm. But what we never take into consideration are the battles that the other people are fighting when they make that statement. See, Maui was not mad at Moana. Maui didn't, Maui didn't really believe that the ocean chose wrong. Maui was frustrated with his own scenario, wondering if he was wrong, wondering if he was maybe not as good as he thought he was. He was wrestling with the thought of being a failure. He was, he was having his own battle. And because he was having his own battle, he then just, he, he, he deflected his own inside feelings on somebody else. And, and I see so many people give up because somebody told them something. I see so many people throw in the towel because their husband didn't believe in them. Their wife didn't believe in them. Their family didn't believe in them. Their friends were laughing at them. You know, they didn't get support of so-and-so. And in fact, there are some people that are just walking around plain miserable and misery desires company. You know, I've been speaking at, at high school assemblies now for, for over a decade. And I, I speak on dreams and there's four types of dreamers. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but the fourth type of dreamer 
is is the most dangerous dreamer of all because dreams what I have what I have learned after traveling from all over this country going to Africa going to going to Europe and 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 having conversations with literally thousands of people from every walk of life that every human being on the planet is designed to dream in fact if you look up the word dreamer it means to be healthy so that means if in order for you to be in order for you to to be healthy, you have to have a dream. Well, what the interesting thing is is dreams don't die. They go back into the ground and they turn to poison hmm. because they don't go away. They don't. They turn into something else. They turn into something else. They turn into poison, and what happens is that bitterness takes over, frustration takes over. And those people that are the fourth stage of a dreamer, they're busy walking around killing everybody else's dream. I tried that. It didn't work. You know, it, it, you know that's, that only happens to the lucky few. And I'm sorry, Johnny, you're not the lucky few. Right. And see, I think that, you know, Moana had, 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 a, had a, a moment where she, she believed it. You know, she looks at the ocean and says, I can't do this. You chose, you need to choose somebody else. Now, the, the thing that turned that whole segment around, and I didn't get into this on my Facebook live was <clears throat> she did have a, she did have a cheerleader though. See, her grandma came back as, you know, the stingray yeah. and shows up and, uh, encourages her and says, you're not wrong. And, and, we all need that kind of person in our life. And you need to be you need to be intentional with finding that person. But God doesn't choose wrong. We choose to believe wrong. Hmm. Yeah. And so we got to be careful with we got to be careful with whose counsel we're listening to. What, what's, what, and, and, and when somebody's giving you counsel, look at their life. Are they happy? Are they living out their purpose? Consider the source, right? Yeah. Are, are, are they, you know, if they don't have the results, if they don't have the type of life that you want, I would make, I'd be, I'd really caution whether or not that that's somebody that you need to take counsel from. Right. I agree. I agree. One thing that, um, I would touch on quickly that I think was, was pretty awesome. You know, you guys, you mentioned, you know, people that, you know, people that try to discourage you, they really, they had a dream at one time, but they're discouraging you because they tried and it didn't work out. I was reading this book recently called, um, how to stop the pain. And it's by uh, Dr. James B. Richards. And one of the things that talked about how when people in their lives, they settle, right. And the reason they settle is because settling is actually a form of coping and coping, as we know, never actually fixes the problem. It only, you know, it actually ends up making it worse. Yeah. But the reason they settle is because, like you talked about, they had a dream that they had for their lives, right? And they went for that dream. Maybe they maybe they started a business. Maybe they had you know a relationship they wanted to get into. It didn't work out. Or maybe they had whatever. The thing, the reason they settle is because settling, since it's a form of coping, it allows you. Since you, whenever you settle for your life, instead of choosing it and go out there making the hard decisions and waking up and doing the consistent things. Settling allows you to avoid the stress, the anxiety, and everything else that would that was is necessary. That's going to that's going that is necessary requirements in order for you to get to that dream and that eventual end goal that you want to have. But since you're not willing to pay that price, you settle for it because settling 
allows you to avoid any of that pain. It allows you to avoid that, but also it isn't making it worse. So whenever you see people that are achieving at a higher level that uh, overcame the things that you had the same potential that you were qualified to achieve as well, you have to then you feel like your duty and obligation to tear them down, right? Like that's why people, so many people, you know, talk about hating the 1%. It's like, well, dude, some people hate people that are successful. Maybe it's not in just financial terms, but like relationships, health, whatever. They hate people like that because they realize at one point or another, they had the same ability within themselves or the same dream within themselves to do the exact same thing. But because they weren't willing to pay the ultimate price in order to get there, they now feel their duty and obligation to pull you down, right? Because they got left behind and they don't want to yep. be left behind, you know? And yep. so, um, yeah, I feel like we could, you, you got to get, you know, get going around seven minutes here. Is that correct? You're at yeah. run 30. Okay. That's what I thought. Perfect. So I'm going to wrap this up, dude. I just want to acknowledge you real quick. I feel like we, you and I could talk for hours, man. So I, I love this conversation. It's been really amazing. Um, so I want to acknowledge you real fast and Jesse and say, thank you so much for, for your stick to for not giving up for your knowing your why and realizing like, dude, I know that I'm made for more than this. And this is not good enough for me to, to dancing in, you know, to dancing in a Walmart aisle at 10, you know, 10 o'clock midnight, you know, so you could, you know, get practice enough to get going to that audition, working your tail off to get to where your end goal was. And, you know, where you thought your end goal was, where along the process on this journey that you're on more so. And, you know, spending 10 hours in the corner of a hotel and practicing your role to embracing it to all the, all this stuff that you've been a part of. I just really, I admire it. And I think it's really an admirable quality that you don't quit, that you don't give up, that if it's, if it can be better, you demand better from yourself and you demand more from yourself because ultimately, you know, the God put you here for more. It doesn't mean that, you know, that's going to be easy. It's going to be, you know, without it's, you know, without it's, you know, hardships or anything like that, but you keep moving forward, man. So I acknowledge you for sharing your journey as well, for sharing your background, for sharing these things that you've experienced. And dude, you're just getting started, my brother. You're just getting started and that's the most amazing part of it. So I just want to acknowledge you for that and just can keep moving forward. I think that's absolutely amazing. So appreciate that, dude. Absolutely, dude. Well, hey, two questions. We've got five minutes before we wrap this up. Two questions I ask every guest on the qualified. First question is, how does someone chase their potential to become the person they were created to become? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the first thing that you, you have to do is you have to get really clear on what it is that you want. Um, too often people are, and I did this early on is I was, I was really familiar with what I didn't want. Um, and you need to really get clear on, on what you, what you want. And I think that, uh, you know, we were developed as a community um, you know, we're, we're developed to be a community based species for a reason. We're not designed to do this alone. Right. And so getting around people that can help you, that can help guide you through that, um, is, is super important because not only are you going to have your own self realizations that you get, but you're going to have people that you can, that you can trust that can speak into your life, that can increase your awareness, that can help you see things from a different angle so that you can actually get to where you're trying to go. That's great. That's great advice. Last question, brother. How, what is living a life that makes a positive impact look like for you? Man. Um, so I, I spoke at a, at a school here, um, just a couple weeks ago and, um, I had a, I had a stint when I first came back from, from, uh, LA where I almost committed suicide. And I share that story. Um, I share that story when I go to schools and, um, I had 
a girl that came up to me um, that that encouraged me because there's two things that I want, and I set the stage when I do this talk. I said I wanted there was two things I've always wanted in life. One is I wanted to be significant. I wanted to do something that was big with my life that nobody else expected, that was bigger than normal, right? And the other thing I wanted is I wanted to be loved, and. I was always doing things to get the attention of other people so that they would think that I was good enough for them to love me. And um, that's always what I've wanted. And, and so I go through and I talk about my, my battle with, with almost committing suicide and, and how the reason why I didn't was the purpose for that was because I needed to come there to tell them that they were significant and that somebody loved them. And I had a girl come to me and told me, I just need to tell you that I needed to hear those things because I've been thinking about ending my own life. And because of your talk today, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Wow. That's living a life of significance. Whether you make an impact on one person's life <clears throat> or you make an impact on many's many people's lives. The thing of the fact of the matter is is you don't know that one person might go out and impact 10,000 people and you had a hand in not just impacting one person's life, you had a hand in impacting 10,000 in one person's life That's right. because, because of that. And so I think a life of significance to me is helping other people understand that they are valuable, not because of what they do, but because of who they are. Amen. Hey, God wouldn't have paid the ultimate price if we didn't have value, if we weren't qualified for more. That is for sure. Dude, that was an amazing answer. And we just split in there with just enough time to wrap this up, dude. Thank you so much, Jesse, for uh, for coming on the show. Um, I am going to, just for sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and get your um, social media, like where we can connect with you, your coaching, all that kind of jazz. I'll talk about it on the outro. But dude, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, this is a real treat. And um, I feel like we had to do this again because there was a lot that we didn't cover that I feel like definitely could be touched on as well. But dude, thank you so much sure. for your time, man. This is awesome. Absolutely, brother. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the episode. Guys, whenever he, whenever he talked about um, dancing in an aisle at Walmart because he didn't have any other place to do it, and you know practicing there, and then talking about mowing lawns to you know to you know to fund this other thing he was working on and such, like it, it, the power of persistence in this man's life is so well personified. And I'm I'm grateful to know the man to see like even more things that he starts working on as he moves forward in his life. But like, that's the thing you gotta draw from this, y'all. Do you want it? And if you want something, what are what's the price that you're willing to pay in order to attain it, right? In whatever area of your life that is, whether it's spiritually, whether it's relationally, whether it's financially, whether it's in career-wise, whichever. What is the price you're willing to pay for the things you say you want most, you know? And uh, let me tell you, you're, you're, you're more than able, you're more than capable of achieving all of these things, but it's going to take you paying the price on a consistent basis in order to make them into a reality. So anyways, I trust you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it out with a friend. Let someone else know that you enjoyed it. And if you've, if you've been listening for several episodes in, this is not your first time in the qualified. 
please leave a five-star review and also a written review explaining exactly what you and what you've enjoyed most about the qualified leaving that would help us out tremendously i'd really appreciate that and that would benefit the podcast tremendously as well guys i will see you actually i'm gonna see you this sunday because i have i have some content to release in i I'm a little behind, but you know what? No time like the present. So I do apologize again, but guys, we are here. We're making an impact and we're doing amazing things. 2020 is going to be the year of massive growth. I'm pumped for it. I hope you are as well. Guys, until next time, chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. Talk to you soon.